Hello and welcome to the Stoked on Spokes Podcast. 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 Wait, like SOS? Well, it's about fights. Right, gear, races, community, and so much more. This is the Stoked on Spokes Podcast. Let's get rolling. Hello, and welcome to the 45th episode of the Stoked on Spokes Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Phil Smith and Jacob Spath. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Pretty well. Can't complain. It's a beautiful day. Well. I went for a bicycle ride this morning, so started the day off right. Now I'm here talking with you, so pretty good. What about you, Jacob? Well, I'm pretty good. I didn't get to go for a bicycle ride, but I got my bike in the truck, so got some riding on deck for the weekend. Nice. If you gentlemen can, can you please introduce yourself for people who don't know you? And also, can you tell me your bicycle background? Uh, yeah, I can start. Go right ahead. So I'm Jacob Spath, uh, currently living in uh, Quad Cities, Bettendorf, Iowa. Uh, like most people, I did a lot of cycling as a kid, kind of drifted away. After college, I found a rag ride for anybody that knows about that and was in that scene for a while. Once I moved to Quincy, where Phil and I met, I kind of got into the endurance road scene, Grand Fondos and all that fun stuff. And like most people, I eventually caught the gravel bug. And that's been kind of my focus for the last five or six years, I think. I think it's been longer than that. Uh, You're right. So uh, I'm Philip Smith. I'm from Quincy, Illinois, where, like Jacob said, rode bicycles as a kid, rollerbladed, did all those fun, you know, skateboarding, never really... Did anything serious with the bicycle until 2013? I started riding a bike, actually commuting back and forth to work as a way to lose weight, get in shape. Enjoyed it, so I decided to keep pursuing it. Started riding more and got quite a bit into the road scene. As Jacob said, we lived in Quincy. I didn't know Jacob prior to riding bicycles, so we actually met through the local cycling club. Started riding a lot, too much, probably. If you ask my wife, started racing. It, I think. Five months after uh, starting, you know, really riding and, and training, did crits for a while, crashed quite a bit, broke a few bones. And then we, 2015, kind of took a brief pause um, as we transitioned to business and started a new one. And I really kind of, I still enjoyed riding, but I didn't really enjoy it the way I did before. And it was actually one weekend, Jake and I went for a, an adventure ride, a gravel ride. Is the first one I'd ever done because I had a crux and I, you know, was roadie through and through. And he took me on a bike and we ended up hiking across a log over a stream and, you know, just out exploring. And I really enjoyed that. And it kind of brought the enjoyment of cycling back. So that's just a little bit about me and where I've been. And then last, what, last year I started riding uh, cyclocross quite a bit and really enjoyed that. And I've trained a lot this year for the upcoming cross season and looking forward to that bicycles is kind of me right now yeah how did you guys first meet probably on a group ride yeah either a, a monday or a wednesday night ride if i had to guess yeah um, it, it definitely was i don't remember the exact date or you know if it was a monday or a wednesday but i would say it was probably in 2013 14 ish we were probably trying to keep up with walton gale at the time and uh, right which are two older very seasoned riders who i think they have like over 150,000 miles or so on bicycles each and they, they still well. crush it. Yeah, they do. So, yeah, I think we probably just met through that and then began chatting, you know, as you do with other people when you're riding with them and kind of realized that we've got a lot more in common probably than just people who ride bikes together. And I, I think it's worth noting 
when Phil started riding bikes, he was politely a bigger dude. For the story, I think the first time he tried to commute like five miles and like you barely made it, he went from that to being a Cat 2 crit racer in like 18 months or something silly. So Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't five miles, it was two. <laughs> and I think I was about I remember I still remember to this day sitting on a picnic table outside the shop and just questioning why I just rode two miles to work and wanting to vomit. You know, I was at that point probably 220 pounds. I was a bit overweight, but I decided I wanted to pick up a bicycle and it kind of just snowballed into this whole lifestyle change. And it's pretty neat. You guys didn't mention it, but where are you based out of? Quincy, Illinois is where I'm from, which is Western Illinois. So I'm about two hours north of St. Louis and about five hours, four and a half hours southwest of Chicago. And I lived in Quincy for four or five years, but currently I'm in Bettendorf, Iowa, which is a quad city. It's right on the Mississippi River, about two and a half hours west of Chicago, two hours north of Quincy. How has your friendship grown over the years? Like Phil said, I mean, started out just, hey, we're on a group ride. All right, you take a poll, I take a poll. Uh, but eventually, you know, I start chatting about life in general, and we're both, you know, close in age and probably seeing a lot of the same things that you see as you're, you grow up and move on in years, I guess, you know, as far as raising a family. And recently we were having a conversation about potty training. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, a very important conversation that you never think of until you have to have it. That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, like Jacob said, we kind of went from just uh, acquaintances to more friends. One that I enjoy seeing when, when we can, you know, when life permits. I remember what was last fall, that last summer, maybe? He texted me out of the blue and said, hey, would you mind going and checking out this bicycle for me that I'm thinking about buying? It was here in town. So I, you know, obviously went and checked it out. I paid for it. He came down and picked it up and paid me back. You know, and I, I think that speaks a lot about, you know, how... Well, the way we feel about each other when you're willing to, you know, buy a bicycle for somebody and then they, I'll come down when I can and I'll pick it up from you, you know, and pay you back. Yeah, the, the potty training thing was quite funny because uh, I'm we're we're close to the same age. I had kids, or my wife and I had kids uh, fairly young. I think I was 20, 21, 22. We had our first child in 23 when I had our second. You know, so I maybe have a bit more dad life experience. Maybe it's a good friendship. What are your thoughts on the gravel scene right now? The riding, the racing, and the industry push? Sure. Jacob, I think you uh, probably start here. You've got a ton of insight into it. I participate in races. I'm definitely uh, in that middle third of the field. So saying that I race is kind of a, a stretch, but I, I love participating in events. and I love the way things have grown. It's really exciting to see what the industry is doing equipment and gear wise, and also the, the number of events that have grown up obviously being in illinois iowa midwest is is full of gravel events but everything from you know california to vermont maine uh there's multiple choices every weekend to participate and get out and do something so it's it's definitely been cool and having that variety you could still participate in an unbound or a lifetime event and, and get that feel or you know find a neighborhood you know grassroots kind of thing send a postcard in and People at Casey still look at you funny, like, why are you riding your bike out here? Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, I'm super thankful for, you know, the industry getting behind it and getting involved because I don't know about Jacob, but that first gravel ride we took here in the Midwest on 
it's one to two inch rocks essentially. And we were riding 33 C tires. I mean, it probably 80 pounds of air just jarring our teeth out the entire time on bikes that weren't made for gravel. You know, they were cross bikes. So it, it you know, I, that advancement is huge being able to ride tires that, you know, wide and it's, it's comfortable and you can go do it for hours on end without, you know, feeling like you're, your teeth are going to fall out of your head, your hands go numb, your butt goes numb, you know, so that part of it's been great. And I think even, you know, like Jacob said, I think he hit on it with the, you know, the big, large events, that's an absolute race. And it's a, you know, the top guys in the country are there legitimately racing. I mean, I think it's super neat that you're, you're able to go compete at those same events, ride at those same events and ride at the same time in the same course that those guys and, and ladies are on. I just think that's that's super cool. And it kind of gives you a, a good feeling that you are involved in it. It's it's not like, oh hey, we want you to come pay to race and watch, you know, the, the top ladies and, and guys get after it and you know we'll let you race before. Um, you know, you're you're at the same time, you're on the same course, you're doing the same thing that the same people are cheering them on that are still, you know, they're cheering you on. I think that's super cool. Jacob also said there's a plethora of events here in the Midwest. I think throughout the summer, you could almost race your bicycle every weekend at a gravel or mountain bike or off-road event of some sort. I mean, obviously you can go do crits and road races and stuff. Those are a bit more hit and miss, you know, here and there, but gravel events are, there's so many of them around us. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the, the top racers in the country. I think it's at this point, some events, the top racers in the world. Right? Yeah. You know, you had the Dutch invasion, and Sophia, I believe, is from like Argentina, maybe, or South America somewhere. It's pretty wild. Uh, everybody just flies from all over the world to Emporia, Kansas, or wherever they are. Right. Yeah, I would agree with you. Maybe I, I was a bit narrow on the scope, you know, of riders that come to these events. That's pretty crazy. It's pretty cool. I think it, I think it really speaks volumes about the just bicycles and cycling and you know the lifestyle that it is it's just so yeah everybody can be involved in it everybody can have a good time and just be yourself have fun enjoy it i remember uh racing gravel in uh, 2015 was my first year and it was very grassroots it felt like it was very adventure riding for a lot of people unless you were at that front it was you know it was the challenge of finishing it was a challenge of exploring over the last year, how it's with its growth, do you think it's gotten better or do you think we've kind of lost a little bit because of the new popularity? I think it's gotten more diverse, which is to say like, you know, in some aspects it's gotten better. You know, I mentioned the, the events popping up and you're starting to see some more variety, you know, some stuff, you know, with more B roads or, or even single track and farm trails. Uh, you know, you see rule of three and in Iowa, they just had this core four event that's in the same vein. You're still seeing the the adventure side of things, getting out there in a small field and like truly being alone. Then on the flip side of it, you know, some of these races are, are just trying to cram as many people on the start line as they can. And uh, it, it's a different feel. Some of these organizations do a great job and still promote a great event. It's just, it's just different. You get, you know, both ends of the spectrum ex- expanding. And I guess it's nice to have the choice, though. Yeah. I would agree with what you said there. And, you know, I think one thing you hit on is I think you, in order to have a successful race, you have to offer something unique. I mean, I think you're seeing a lot of events really kind of, instead of just, Hey, we're going to create a hundred mile or 62 mile or 130 mile gravel route. We have a gravel route, but we're going to have single track. We're going to have a, you know, a 
a cyclocross section. We're going to have a, you know, some roads and, and I think you just have to kind of be uh, unique and really kind of attract people. And I think that's a benefit, a huge benefit for riders because you, you can choose different events and choose different things that maybe suit you better or something that you haven't done before and you want to go try. You know, I, I think with anything that grows like that, there's going to be ups and downs, but I would say that the, the ups way outweigh the downs. I mean, there's more upside to it than there is downside. I mean, you, you could argue that, or you could say that it's going to get more expensive at some of these larger races. I, I think as long as the experience that comes with it is great and one that you enjoy, I don't know if you can really be mad about spending money having a good time. <laughs> I mean, I've spent a lot of no, a lot of money on things and not had a good time, but you know, riding my bike has never been one. I think there's about no endless amount of money that I would spend to do that. Maybe I shouldn't shouldn't tell everybody that, huh? Maybe. <laughs> so, so what are your favorite events to go to then? I was just thinking about that one that I did clear back in 2015 that I have not made it back to, and I really need to is this weekend is Rebecca's Private Idaho. That is such a unique event. At least you know, coming from Iowa, being in the mountains like that, an incredible course, just a well-run event. And of course, Rebecca Rush putting it on. Uh, she really knows how to throw a party and, and run an event smoothly. So that is awesome. Uh, beyond that, Gravel Worlds in Lincoln, Nebraska is has always been one of my favorites. They again run a very smooth event, but keep a good you know family vibe to it. And you know, one site can be never hurts. <laughs> so I haven't done a ton of you know, necessarily gravel racing. I was kind of a Obviously, like I said before, you know, a big road person. So I went and did, you know, several large crit, crit weekends throughout the year. And one of my favorites I think I had done and probably up to last year would have been uh, Tulsa Tough, which was a, you know, that was a super fun weekend, super hard weekend. My wife and I went down together and we kind of just spent the weekend, bought her a bicycle the day before we left so she could go and ride around with me. You know, in the morning we'd go ride and eat breakfast and then just kind of cruise around for a little bit before the evening's races, but I would say probably my favorite that I've been to did a lot of cyclocross races in the St. Louis area would have been uh, jingle cross last year. And Jacob was actually there for it. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that event was just so much fun. And I, I couldn't believe the atmosphere that that, that place had, you know, for a small fairgrounds in rural Iowa. Uh, it's, it was, it was very cool. Yeah. Uh, was there. a moment of silence for we have a moment of silence for Jingle Cross. Yeah, I agree. I was I was devastated to hear that it wasn't coming back, but I can understand. Well, let's let's just hope it's mainly a scheduling conflict, which what it mainly sounded like. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, that event's probably been one of you know the, my favorite that I've done. And Jacob's been sending me. He's been planning my summer for next year on the the gravel races we're going to. Sent me some neat ones. I, I can't remember where it was the one in Nebraska, maybe that he was just recently talking about. Like Rebel Worlds. Yeah, it's uh, August twenty like third, fourth next year or something, fifth and sixth. And I highly recommend you put it on your calendar. Yeah. All right. So Phil just got into cyclocross. So let's talk about cyclocross. Phil, what's so great about cross in your opinion? It's just a totally di- different atmosphere, I think, than than anything I'd ever raced before, and I really enjoyed the. One, it's great for your family to come watch you race because they can see so much of what's going on. Um, you know, it's not like a road race where you have to go pick a single area and there they go. And, you know, with my wife and two boys, it's you know very important to me for them to be able to see what I'm doing, where I'm at, how I'm doing, especially, you know, 
having crashed a couple of times and not coming back around the next lap, my, you know, it's, it's nice to know what's going on. The racing is so fun. It's hard. Um, but there's just something about giving you know, an all out effort for, for 60 minutes. I think that is that's kind of what's drawn me to it. Um, it. And there's no hiding in cyclocross, which I really enjoy. You've either got it or you don't. You can't, you know, ride with the pack and kind of just hang at the back and wait till the end um, and come around in a sprint like you can in a crit or, a, you know, maybe a short road race or a circuit race or something. And that was fun. I'm a big beer fan, so it's always nice to have beer afterwards. And there is a there's no shortage of beer at cyclocross races. And that's um, I remember one of the first cyclocross races that I went to in 2014. No, 20 yeah 2014. I raced two cross races in 2014, and they actually gave beer away at the podium. And I I was 24, so I could, you know I obviously could drink it and I enjoyed them, and it was super fun. And then 2017 was the next time I raced a cross race coming off not good fitness it wasn't quite as fun as i remembered um, but the beer was still just as good at the end of it and just the you know the family environment there's a playground my kids were playing there was other kids there they were all playing together and now my my oldest that was watching the racing is he raced his first two races last year and he's trying to find him a bike to race this year so if you know anybody that's got like a 26 inch uh, cross bike let me know <laughs> Uh, and then he's, he's enjoying it. He's got a 24 inch, but he's getting a little too big for it. So but I, I think it's just the, the family atmosphere and, and, you know, the good, the relaxed vibe that you get from it. Super fun. And everybody's willing to help out, you know, to cross race. You can go ask somebody, Hey, what are you running for tire pressure? They're going to tell you, you know, they're not going to try to, to, to tell you something wrong to have an advantage, you know, cause at the end of the day, it comes down to one, your skill set, and two, how hard you can push on the pedals. So, Phil, I, I got to ask, and I, I hate to get political here, but are hand-ups a crime? <sighs> you know, I I, I don't have – like only if they're beer hand-ups or dollar hand-ups, I, I think you're good. <laughs> uh, funny story about hand-ups. I was racing a crit in 2015. It was raining in Edwardsville, Illinois. They have this huge downtown party festival crit where there's, you know, 20,000 people down there watching the race. It was pouring rain. I crashed, went to the pit, got a wheel. I was out of water. I needed something to drink. Some fan handed me a beer. I slammed half his beer and went back out and continued racing. Uh, I ended up getting second that night. So it kind of changed my, uh, you know, my outlook on uh, on beer hand-ups. And I, I will welcome them whenever someone hands it out. What do you think? I, they are definitely not a crime. I haven't race cross near as much as you but the last race i did a buddy of mine was trying to hand me a dollar and i went right past it snagged his beer without him knowing i was going to get his beer it's <laughs> <laughs> a good trade for you yeah you'll have to come do some this year i'll drag you out all right i'm in i've got a couple i think i have three cross bikes right now so if you don't have one you can ride one Right on. I've heard from a, a lot of people over the years that probably Jingle Cross does have the best fans. They're like the they're they said they're like the hardcore fans that you might have gotten like early two thousands in New England. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, I was there last year. Took my kids to watch the C it was a C one C two race on Friday night. I had raced the race previous to that. 
So I went, we went back, took a shower, came back, caught the end of the women's race and then watched the men's race. And the, the atmosphere, the DJ booth on, you know, on Mount Crumpet, fans just going berserk, running up and down the hill, screaming, yelling, having a, I mean, it's, it's a party that a bike race happens to happen at, I, I think. Don't you, Jacob? Yeah, I, it, it's kind of surprising to think about it, but Iowa does have a really impressive cyclocross scene, you know, all, you know, all things considered. You know, from Des Moines to Cedar Rapids to Quad Cities, Iowa City, and people really come out and support events, and then they have something to that scale, and it's, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. There's buses there. Obviously, Jacob was there. I, I just kind of ran into him there. Uh, he is sitting at a school bus with people piled up on top of it, all in front of it on platforms with flags everywhere. I think there was an Iowa football game going on that day and, and everybody's drinking, watching the, you know, the Iowa football game and I'm walking along and all of a sudden I see him like, Jacob. And he's, you know, we started, you know, just talking and, you know, having a good time. Uh, but I think that event kind of really embodies you know what's or it did embody to me what cyclocross is is you know just a bunch of people coming together having a good time and racing bicycles doing what they love so with no jingle cross phil do you see yourself going to any other any world cup this year any uci just to still experience something big yeah so i was actually planning on going to fayetteville and racing that weekend i just found out that we're going to actually end up going to a green bay packers game a big packers fan have been forever my whole family is going to go taking my kids, um, you know, so I obviously kicked the race plans for that weekend off the back burner um, just because I wanted to take my kids and you know, take them to Lambeau because I remember my first experience there was pretty cool, you know, being a diehard Packers fan. Shouldn't say diehard, but big, big Packers fan. So, yeah, they're, uh, I think there's still one on Friday night, which I might try to get to that weekend, which would make it a long day Saturday, but I could do it, race Friday night, and then drive eight hours, nine hours to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And then I'll actually be in southern Wisconsin that weekend before. So I think I'll probably hit up the trek weekend in Waterloo. Experience that for the first time. I wanted to go last year, but it sold out by the time I really started actually racing quite a bit. Um, so I missed it. And you said you have a pretty good cross scene in your Iowa area. Yeah. yeah. So Iowa. Go ahead, Jim. I don't know the exact number of events because they rode at ten or twelve consecutive weekends that they have cross races around Iowa. I'm a little bit bummed because coming up here is Capital City Single Speed Cross. It's a single speed only cross race. Unfortunately, family schedule conflicts, and I'm not going to be there. But uh, I'm definitely going to try to make it to some of the other ones. Yeah, where? So I live. Obviously, in Quincy, like I said, um, St. Louis has a pretty big cycling scene. There's a big, obviously, the Gateway Cup is going on this weekend down in St. Louis. Um, and then next week, cyclocross starts in St. Louis. And there is a cyclocross race every weekend in St. Louis, every Sunday, from the second week in September through, I think, the first weekend in December is the last race down there. And then, obviously, being five hours from Chicago, the Chicago Cross Cup is another one. Uh, I think there's a race... Every almost every weekend, you know, from the same time period in September to December, Wisconsin, there's multiple races every weekend up there, you know, from now until December. And I know over Indiana, obviously, and then over into Ohio, there's quite a few as well. It's pretty pretty fortunate to live where I do, you know, with all the the cross racing and being that into it. You know, there's a ton of events to go to. 
yeah, which is fun for me. I, I definitely had options when I used to live in Ohio. We had we went up to Michigan, we went down to Kentucky, we went to Indiana, we went to Pennsylvania every once in a while. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. nice to be in a spot where there's little options everywhere. Right. Yeah, and if you're from the Midwest, I mean, it, it, as long as it's under 12 hours, we're going. We're driving, right? <laughs> it's yes, never too far. One of you mentioned something about uh, going bikepacking. I forget who it was, but so um, talk more about your bikepacking and uh, multi-day uh, expeditions. Yeah, so I think that was probably me. And I just, uh, you know, I mentioned I'm solidly in that middle third of a field typically. And so I resorted to pushing the boundaries of distance and time and terrain. Like, you know, the, the dumber the right is the more impressive people are that I actually finished it. So 2018, my first foray into bikepacking, I went down to Georgia and rode the Trans-North Georgia route, which is, you know, I'd seen all the stuff about Tour Divide and I was all excited. I was like, oh, this will be fun. And it turns out I was wrong and it's nothing like the Tour Divide. It's actual, like, pretty gnarly, single track, mountain bikey, 360 miles and almost 50,000 feet of vertical gain. Finished it just just under four days <laughs> it's one of those that you know for, for a week i was like i'm never doing that again and then all of a sudden somebody's like hey we should check out this route in the years since i've, I've done a handful of routes uh sticking in that three to five day range uh i do have bigger aspirations but probably you know after my kids out of the house or something yeah i actually remember that event and obviously, Jacob and I Snapchat each other quite often. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty main form of communication with a lot of my friends. And I remember getting Snapchats from him at crazy hours in the morning, and he's riding his bicycle where he can barely see if he's he's or he's hiking with it, carrying it, yeah. you know, up these cliffs because it, that's what he was riding on that during that event. Yeah, that looked tough. <laughs> Bikepacking has taken a uh, similar well slightly lower but similar trajectory to gravel i think it's just blown up you know all the social media you, know, you see people like Lil wilcox and doing all these big epic rides and everybody's like i should try that i think the number of people that are, are repeaters is maybe a little bit smaller because a lot of people get out there and they realize that man i haven't showered for five days really hungry and the next town's 60 miles on it's a, it's a different animal but it's still fun yeah for sure i've been talking with couple of my coworkers about doing you know a weekend bike bike packing trip you know just around here there's plenty of campgrounds where we could ride you know 60 80 miles stay at a campground and then cook food ride back um you know wouldn't be too crazy but i think it'd be a you know a good time bike packing is pretty i think it's just the adventure of it going new places maybe would be you know the most exciting part about it the other day i was out riding this was a terrible idea. I rode across a levee. The grass was like three and a half foot tall. I could barely turn the pedals over. By the end of it, my legs were so cut up. It was horrible, but it was super fun. It was, you know, three miles long. I, I it, it was terrible during when I was doing it, but then when I got finished, like, you know what, that's kind of neat because it was somewhere that I'd never been before. Probably would, I won't go again. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of what bikepacking is, is just testing the limits of your mind, maybe. You always got to ask yourself the question, uh, did you die? Right. <laughs> and we could totally repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of 
lot. So there's other parts of, that are now gr- going into gravel, uh, including gravel stage racing. Have you guys ever thought about anything like that? Um, I believe mo- for the most part, it's you fill a tub with your stuff, you camp at a campground, and then you ride the next race the next day, and your stuff gets moved. Yes, that'd be kind of fun. I am, yeah, there's uh, Oregon Trail stage race is uh, open for registration right now. That exact format, and I am trying to figure out how to schedule it. Yeah, that'd be uh, super fun to do. And I think as long as the spirit of gravel stays in it, you know, and it, it and it stays the the fun where you can you can race if you want to really push it and race, or you can just simply enjoy being there and riding with other people. You know, I, I think as long as that stays, I think that's a awesome. You know, it'd be similar to like probably. I think what you've experienced up at Ragbri, um, but on gravel, maybe not quite as big, but I think that'd be pretty neat. I'd be up for it. You have to, Jacob, just let me know when that one is, since you're playing my race calendar next year. Well, well also there's the. Tra- you just gotta find a zone here if you know one. So also in Pennsylvania, right? <laughs> Pennsylvania right now is the Transylvania gravel stage race. I think it's finished. It should be finishing up today or tomorrow. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a bit of that. I haven't really watched it too closely to be honest with you but i did see a, a bit about that um, i think on instagram and probably youtube um i don't know who's doing that, coverage of it but i've seen it that is uh something an area that i want to go check out i've you know, i've ridden out west i've ridden oregon colorado california i haven't done enough out east and pennsylvania for whatever reason is high on my radar i feel like they've got some pretty solid roads out there in a handful of events or more than a handful of events that are worth checking out. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a beautiful area of the country. So yeah, it's a uh, dirt wires providing that uh, right now. The, uh, okay. the footage. I only had one question left and we're kind of going through this a lot faster than I thought we would. Phil, you mentioned crit racing. What's mm-hmm. your, what's your whole thought on uh, the crit scene right now? What do you think of crit beef? <laughs> yeah, the whole beef. national stage. Is it, is it a good thing that we're getting way more attention towards crits, crits right now? Or is it kind of taking away the love of racing? I think anytime you get people excited about something and more people are becoming interesting in it and things are, you know, a bit more mainstream, I, I don't think that can ever necessarily be bad. I think that's always a good thing because you're going to attract new people. Um, you're going to turn people on to, just cycling that maybe never would have simply because of maybe something they saw on YouTube about it or on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, or bike races happening in their city. They see it and they go ride. I don't, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if there's a point at which maybe athletes, you know, maybe we need to grow a bit and not have the, the beef, so to speak, or, you know, maybe not air it out so publicly in a more professional way. But at the same time, I think that in any sport, it doesn't matter what you watch. Um, Big F1 fan, they always have some type of beef going on. There's some insider story. And ultimately, it just brings more exposure. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It's interesting. (laughs) How does that sound? No, no, it it definitely is. You're you're spot on about, you know, any sport, really any, like, just kind of society as a whole with, with social media and the, the news cycle, what it is like, you know, anything happens, you know, it's not just crit beef. Now we got gravel beef. Oh, you, you brought a hydration pack. You didn't tell me you're bringing a hydration pack. Right. You have Um, bars. (laughs) Right. And it's, you know, it's a a normal conversation between competitors, but then all of us sitting at home on, on Instagram and Twitter, like we're the ones that blow it up. 
Right. And it just it just kind of is what it is. And hopefully we're just adults about it and we can all just move on. Yeah. I think that anytime something like that happens, it just makes you more marketable, you know, as a sport because you're, you're ultimately attracting people and that's what, what drives revenue. That's what drives sponsorship is, you know, how, how well you can sell what you've got going and nothing sells more than drama. <laughs> yep. And, and Curtis white breaking up a fight in Idaho. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> Utah, Utah. Yes. At Salt Lake city. Yes. Yeah. That was interesting. I see both sides to it. And I, it is what it is. And I think they're grown men. Okay. So I have this question for you then, because I've, I've heard this story that supposedly <laughs> the professionalism of crit racing has kind of gone away as of like 10, 15 years ago, there was this thing in the pro Peloton that if you were an established rider, you got like a buffer, you got like some space. People were respecting your area and not trying to chop your wheel. Do you feel so, like it's getting <clears throat> more unsafe? I think crit racing in general is fairly unsafe. I think I shouldn't say unsafe. Everything's unsafe, you know, but the, I think the risks that a lot of people are willing to take are pretty high for a fairly low reward, maybe. And I'm, I can't, you know, speak exactly to what you were talking about the, you know, the buffer zone, but I will say that I do remember racing in Kansas with Brad Huff and I can't remember who else, somebody else who was a, a pro that was at the time, maybe just, just got off a pretty large team and was just coming down a bit. And I remember racing with them and just having this tremendous amount of respect for them and trying not to be really close to them because I didn't want to ultimately make a mistake and, you know, take them out, take myself out. I was really interested in sitting behind them, watching what they do. And, you know, he, he Brad Duff taught me a ton that race. I learned that if you're going to be in a move, I, I went with a break. He wasn't in it. It was a terrible idea because he single-handedly pulled up the entire break back, you know? So, and I, and I do believe that maybe that's a, things have changed a bit where you don't see people maybe being as cautious or giving as much space. Like you said, they're just getting in there and rubbing elbows with them and, I don't care who you are. I'm, I'm, you know, we both put our clothes on the same way and here we are. Let's race. Well, it, it's also come down to, I've heard that a lot right now in the pro Peloton, there's guys launching attacks 10 to 15 minutes in when that never was a thing, you know, getting really risky in the beginning of the race when it's a 60 minute. Right. Yeah. I, I love when people attack early. If I'm being completely honest with you, I was always the guy that I'd, I would much rather ride with a small group of people or myself, you know, free than sit in and just kind of let the race happen. I'd rather make the race, whether I, it, I'd rather change the outcome of a race, you know, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise I, it's, you know, I, I want to make it not stressful, but where it's difficult, you know, I won quite a few races over the years by attacking. I've, I've attacked on the first lap, you know, of a crit in the pouring rain once mainly because I didn't want to be in the field during you know the rain so i just took off i think six or seven guys came with and that was it my cat's climbing up the back of the chair (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i i don't think there should be any rules i don't think there should be any unwritten rules of when you can or can't attack if that was the case you would have a 30 minute procession and then 30 minutes in we wave a green flag and say all right it's time to go racing it's not what racing is i think racing is from the from the beginning Uh, and that's probably another reason that i love cross so much because it it is full gas from the beginning all the way to the end. And yeah, you might have, you have periods of recovery or when, you know, you're trying to figure out tactics and what's going on, who's where there is no waiting, so to speak. So Phil, I know you're kind of a data guy. 
what is your average heart rate for a 60-minute cross race? So mine's extremely high, and I don't know why. Uh, last year, I had several. I think the highest I had for 60 minutes was right at 202, my heart, average heart rate, <laughs> um, which is ex- insane. I, I, and it's, it's always been that way. You know, even when I was 23 years old, it'd be 195 racing a crit. I couldn't tell you why. I can ride that heart rate for quite a while. If it fits, it ships, right? Right. And I, I would, it, it, and it doesn't seem to matter if it's when I first start riding a bike, you know, maybe in the fall or in the winter mm-hmm. after taking a break or that's, you know, after riding eight, nine months a year, it's still at a max effort. That's where I'm at. I don't know why. Just the way I am. I can't do that, you know, probably for more than an hour. I, I don't know. Maybe I could, but it's still pretty high. So, Phil, what's the best thing for cycling in Quincy? Quincy's been – it's a bit of a strange town. It's a, it's a town of 40,000 people. It, it's typically older, the population is, so everybody's kind of maybe stuck in their ways a bit. The cycling scene is relatively small. It's pretty large, but it's relatively small when you think of it like as an organized like group rides and stuff like that. But mountain biking is something that's really taken off here. Um, the city's gotten behind. The park district has gotten behind. Uh, we have a, you know, quite a few miles of single track mountain bikes built down in the River Bluff. That's just happened in the last mm, two years. Uh, 2020 would have been the first year they really, you know, pushed hard for that. And they recently just built a uh, dirt jump park. It, it, it's got some really cool features on it. Um, some pretty big wooden jumps to dirt. Uh, there's a skate park down there now by the river. There's plans, you know, to keep expanding. So that that part's pretty cool. And watching people really get involved with it and families, you know. And I I think being a dad, that's one of those things that I find really cool is when you I take my kids on a trail here, and you know, we'll we'll go down the trail, we'll end up on the mountain bike path, we'll end up down at the jump park, and you'll see, you know, everybody down there, all kinds of different people from different walks of life, you know, kids on e-bikes, parents on e-bikes, you know, you know people on regular pedal bikes, uh, scooters, skateboards. I, I think that whole, and that's probably, the, you know, the best thing about what we've got going here is just that family environment. You know, are, being they the, are they still working on that indoor mountain bike or skills? Park? Yes. Yeah. I kind of forgot about that too. There's an indoor mountain bike park that's uh, slated to open in November. Um, it'll be a four story. I can't remember how many square feet it is, uh, but it'll have four different floors of mountain bike features will be all indoors. They'll have bike rentals and everything. And I, I'm super excited for that. My kids are pumped for that. Uh, and I think I was, so mountain biking is doing extremely well here. It's super cool. Anytime people get outside and get outdoors and, you know, get in nature and they're on a bike, it's positive. Yeah. I was actually talking to some buddies uh, last night about planning a Quincy weekend when they open that thing up. So, yeah, I think that'll be something that a lot of people will be doing. Cause I, I don't know how many indoor mountain bike parks there really are, you know, in the country, and let alone here in the Midwest. I don't. Last I checked, it's a little over a dozen because right. uh, where I where I am in Ohio, we had two, and of course we have Rays in Cleveland, which is big. Is it a big? Correct. Is it going to be a big? Like, what? What's the building that this is going into? Is it a big space? So it's space? an old heating and air conditioning building, and I I want to say. It's fairly large. I want to say maybe like 30,000 square feet total, but you know, they're it's, it's all going to be wooden with a bunch of different features. And there's, I believe they're going to have a grain bin maybe, or something on the outside where you could ride a basically like a spiral 
oh, I think it's either down or up, one of them all the way to the top. And then you could basically flow from the top all the way to the basement. And they'll have a mechanic shop in there and, and food and drink. I think you're putting a spot for kids maybe to hang out and play. Like if parents wanted to go ride, you can. But yeah, so I, they haven't, they've been doing a series of videos online on Facebook and Instagram about the progress and the demo days. And, you know, the community got involved. Uh, we have a great community here in Quincy there, you know, people get involved, they go down and volunteer, tear out the old stuff and then uh, help build. So it's pretty neat. I'm excited about that. What currently gets you stoked on bicycles? Aside from buying more of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I, I really enjoy just getting out there and putting in big time, big hours. I, I guess maybe the, the workout aspect of it, pushing to exhaustion, something that in day-to-day life doesn't happen very often. The work life that I've built for myself. So I think anything bicycling related or cycling related kind of gets me excited, so to speak. You know, that could just be like Jacob said, buying buying new bike parts, looking at new bike parts, going to the bike shop, talking to the, you know, the, the people involved. And then obviously riding my bike is a you know a big part of my life. It's the first thing I do every morning. I go out and ride for probably two hours every day during the week. So it, it, it's a big part of my life and it really kind of helps set up my day to be successful. I feel like I'm a better person, a better dad and a better employee worker. You know, when I'm after I ride my bicycle, good, bad, that's just kind of the way it is. Um, I kind of, you know, get that taken care of and then I can take care of other people. And yeah, I think it's just anything bicycling related gets me excited. The feeling of being outside, you know, being with other like-minded people. And I, I think the enjoy of just training is something else that I really like and riding and, and feeling like you've accomplished something is pretty cool. And obviously being somebody that was overweight, and lost a bunch of weight, you know, I think that kind of adds to it because it re- reminds me of maybe, you know, a time when I wasn't so active and I didn't enjoy that feeling, you know, of getting out of breath, walking upstairs or something like that. So it's super positive and bikes just excite me. What about you? It's honestly just riding around. It's commuting to work and it, riding bikes with my nephews who are stoked as heck to ride right now since they, they're getting right. off training wheels. Yeah, that is cool. So did him ride like a Stasic or a, um, you know what a Stasic is? Electric balance bike? Yeah. Yeah, those are super cool. My kids went through that phase and, and loved those and watching my kids grow up. And, and like you said, you know, riding with somebody who's younger, man, they, they love it. We've recently started selling e-bikes at our shop, which were a motorcycle shop, uh, power sports business. And, you know, that's really kind of been exciting for me because you see people that come in and, and they buy these and they ride them and they just have so much fun on them. And even myself, I obviously train quite a bit, ride a bicycle quite a bit, but getting on an e-bike and, and riding around town or running an errand on it or, you know, riding to work with it, that's brought a whole different enjoyment, you know, yeah, to it. But I think anything with bikes is cool. Thanks for joining me today. Any last word? I say, just put the fun between your legs and smile. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think thanks for having the both of us. It's been super fun. Enjoyed obviously talking about bicycles. Um, I could talk about it all night, Um, but I think like Jacob said, just have fun, enjoy it. And remember the reason you're riding a bike. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon page for additional bonus content and follow our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on all the things we are working on. Until next time, just keep rolling.